Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the La Rouge Rugby Podcast. I am Stu Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. Derek, we are recording on Family Day here in Ontario. So have you done anything with your family this weekend or you've been uh, socially distant as you have been for the past two years? No, no, we did a, did a little bit of family stuff uh, this past weekend. Um, kind of spent most of the day just really hanging out, playing board games, kind of st- some stuff like that. Uh, for the rest of the, yeah, the Sunday and uh, Mondays, just watching rugby though, man, it's the middle of the MLR season. There's a, yeah, the, I, I just, uh, I ignore my family for the most part now on the weekends. It's uh, not always, not always the, uh, the best situation for them, but Hey, we got a week, a day off on a Monday. So they were, uh, I was able to grace them with my presence this time. Well, all my family's back in the UK and they're working today. So I was yeah, like, I, is, is family yeah. day a UK thing? Absolutely not. I believe it is purely Canadian slash Ontario that does family day. Other provinces have holidays today. There's just a variety of names that are used across the country. So it's not all always yeah. family. This just seems to be miscellaneous day or yeah. arbitrary day. Yeah. So it's not yeah, always think- family. It's not always on this day. It's just an extra holiday for it's, uh, it's, it's the hey, start yeah. of the year, so we don't all get depressed waiting for Easter. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, just have a day off and enjoy it. Now, if there's anything to be enjoying over this weekend, as you mentioned, it is MLR Rugby. And for the first time after three weeks, the Arrows can finally say that they are in the win column after a thriller in the goal mine. Not only was this the first victory in the goal mine, the first victory ever over Nola Gold and narrow score, 23 to the gold, 24 to the arrows and we've got a lot to talk about in this game and let's start off with um let's say someone returning to the gold mine it's not just the arrows there's a particular player and you know you can say oh you know kyle bailey he used to captain for the gold you know maybe he has an affinity um for nola maybe he'll you know pull his punches uh nope he was uh <laughs> he made that very clear within the first uh, six minutes being the uh, first try scorer of the afternoon and you know remarkable play um you know setup came from a new signing brock webster who we'll talk about later and then the ball was passed out wide and bailey then runs in and for about a split second becomes a brick wall to anola <laughs> tackler before nailing it down in the corner and then having sammy the boot convert what do you make of this try yeah, well, for one, brilliant start to the game. Uh, can't really ask for much better. And I think, you know, one of those things, too, it's a great story. Obviously, Kyle Bailey, former gold captain, right? It's fun to kind of think back on MLR history. And there was a time where an American team actually had two Canadian captains um, with Kyle Bailey. And then, obviously, Eric Howard, who was still there, but he's not the captain anymore. Um, so that was kind of fun. I guess a little fun side thing. The next try of the game was scored by Eric Howard. So plenty of Canadian content of this one going around on uh, both sides of the ball, um, crossing the whitewash anyways. Obviously, like you said, it's a, it's just a great story. Uh, you know, having Bailey returning to his former team for the first time in, you know, in the town. That, you know, he was a beloved player, right? They, you know, we kind of saw their reactions when um, the trade happened, right? They, a lot of NOLA fans were, were sad to see Bailey go and, you know, so it's really cool that he was the guy that kind of got the ball rolling for the Toronto Arrows. And I think, you know, as as this game kind of went on, I thought Bailey played outstanding as well. Mm-hmm. Like he, uh, his work rate was, you know, his work rate was off the wall. He was making his tackles. He made um, Eric Howard, Cam Dolan, whoever else they had jumping, just 
their life absolutely miserable in the lineout. So Bailey was just outstanding. Um, great to see him. And like I said, it's just a great story. It's awesome. always fun to see guys, you know, go back and play and against their former teams or in front of the fans at their former clubs and stuff and put in a great performance. And I mean, I'm sure that try probably meant a lot to Bailey as did, you know, the eventual win for him too. Cause you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you can tell immediately from um, the opening kickoff, how like motivated Bailey was in this game. And um, I think we'll probably get into it a little bit more with some of the, uh, the lineup decisions that uh, Peter Smith made going into this game. The back row was absolutely stacked. Um, yeah. Bailey rumble De La Vega. That's insane. So um, nice to see it work out really well, too. Well, not just the back line. It seems that the entire squad was the strongest we've yeah. seen this season. And obviously that had paid huge dividends, as we mentioned, um, Bailey, that back line, um, having Sam Malcolm back on the team mm. was a huge thing. Uh, Brock Webster coming in straight to the wing, obviously, well, as we'll mention yeah. later, we'll, yeah. um, will have a big impact. However, I do feel that there are a few things that need to work on. But first of all, we want to talk about a law that's in place in MLR, which we've had issues with. Um, Lots of Canadian support, lots of North American rugby supporters have had issues with it. And this is the Scrum Reset Law that's in MLR. So for those that need a little refresher, is that in MLR games, if there was a Scrum, there was only allowed one reset. And after that, if there's any... Error, the referee has to make a decision of it being a penalty or a tap-and-go penalty or free kick, as you will. And I understand why MLR have done this, because they want to keep the flow of the game going. The issue is when it comes to being within five metres of the try line, which happened for the arrows and came as a detriment to them. And this was particularly at the case towards the end of the first half. Yeah, so it, I think it came up a couple times actually in this game, and I, I did want to kind of bring, I did want to bring it up because it's like, and this isn't going to be like this isn't anything against you know the sir the the officials. I think they called the rules correctly. It's just it's a bad rule. Yeah. Right. And um, so I think there's two incidents in this. Right. The first comes you know just after the 23rd minute where Malcolm May gets his yellow card on the professional foul because he kind of tugged on the back of Rumball's jersey uh, as Rumball was going for a pass. And then, you know, may or may not have resulted in a try, but, you know, enough, cer- certainly enough to give Malcolm May a yellow card. And the arrows do the smart thing, being right in front of the post, knowing that a forward just got a yellow card, they ask for the scrum, right? Nola then elects to not bring in another back, um, not bringing another back to make up the numbers. So it's a good arrow scrum versus, you know, eight man versus seven man scrum. And the first scrum, they kind of, they, you know, they earn the penalty. They play advantage. Um, JP Duplessis makes a nice hit on Mitch Richardson, forces a knock on. They come back for the advantage or they come back to the scrum penalty. The arrows win another penalty, right? And then at that point, you know, they can't, they can't, have, they yeah, can't, they can't it, take another right? scrum. They can't do it. So they, the smart thing where, based on where that penalty is right in front of the post, the smart thing is at that point to just kick for the points instead of going, kicking over to the corner or whatever. The smart thing is just to kick the points, which is what they did. And so like it, but it also kind of, it kind of feels like in a way at that situation, at least to me, it kind of feels like Nola got away with not with 
keeping four points off the board. Yeah. Right? It kind of feels like that. The, the one that I find interesting, though, which is the moment that I think in this game, and I know, so here's the thing. I know that this rule obviously comes up in every single MLR game, um, but we are an arrows podcast, so we'll bring it up mostly when it affects the arrows. Yeah. And it's like, there's obviously been a lot of rule changes that the MLR has made and that World Rugby has made that are now in MLR. Um, some of them are good. Some of them are, I'm indifferent on. This one is just kind of like, I think there's a moment in this game where it really illustrates the flaw with this law. And yeah. um, that comes in. So there's an arrow scrum five meters out. The first scrum goes down really quickly. Mm-hmm. The second, right, they reset. Go back and listen to the audio. Cole Keith uh, shares some thoughts on the NOLA front row there. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's my favorite version of Cole Keith when he's uh, that confident to uh, let the other team know about it. The second scrum also goes down. And I'm going to just play some of the audio because the, um, you know, um, Sir blows, you know, blows the whistle, stops time. He goes and has a conversation with Cam Dolan and Matt Harmon. And I'm just going to play the audio from the rugby network right now. Number one is hinging. Next one, he's got. Wait, you have to play. Oh, yeah, Stu. So when you're listening to that conversation, right, you hear the official calls over Matt Harmon, the, the prop for Nola, and calls over Cam Dolan, right, and f- gives a verbal warning to Harmon saying you're hinging and if you do it again you're gone right implying that on like the next scrum if you bring it down right it's going to yeah. be a yellow card right is that that's yeah. how I'm listening to that conversation yeah right? that, that, that's fair that's a yeah fair that's fair right yeah he then turns around to the Toronto Arrows and informs them that they can't pick a scrum they have to play it yeah or kick for the line out yeah. Right. So it's like, that's where I think like the flaw in that, right. Is that the ref is literally, he like the surge, giving, a giving a warning for and then a, saying you can't, we're not going to have that environment yeah. of which you can make that error again. Yeah, exactly. I think, so, I think you're right. Cause this, so the issue that I've found and is that, so in other leagues where um, you don't have a limited number of scrums, if you are, within five meters of try line and you're defending and the scrum keeps making errors or causing penalties, it's kind of like baseball. It's like three strikes and you're out. So in this case, three penalties, and then it's a penalty try. And this is what I think that can be improved for MLR going forward is, and it's really simple. Instead of just having one reset, you have two resets. So it's, if you've, if you mess the third scrum up, then it's a penalty because in that case, you can then have the environment in which case you are five meters out from the try line. And if it's the third scrum that um, you can see the penalty on, Mm -hmm. whoever made that error, they get sent to the sim bin and the other team gets a penalty try. So the thing is, is like, I don't think Federico and Selmy is like necessarily is calling this wrong. Like I said, it's the rule, right? Like he's not... I think, though, so interesting, like for what you said, right? Like, that's the thing that we're looking at here is he's warning Harmon, but it's not going to be a scrum after that, right? So it's like, if I'm, if, 
to me, if I'm Matt Harmon or if I'm Cam Dolan, I'm just like, eh, they're going for a line out anyways. And then ultimately they stop the they stop the line out, right? Yeah. Um, right. And or they stop the play following the line out. So it's like if I'm Harmon and Dolan, I'm kind of like, eh, like, like, hey man, we'll take that. Like, get a warning and then we'll we stop them and we go to the sheds for halftime. Like, that's fine, right? I think what like like you, I kind of agree with what you're saying in the sense that you know maybe give that you know you have to have like have that third scrum to create that chance for the yellow or i think like perhaps the other option is just you know if an official feels the need to give a warning to a player for bringing the scrum down on the second scrum reset maybe you just pull out the yellow yeah right like maybe you just have to maybe and maybe it's that's going to feel Maybe that'll feel cheap because it feels super fast. Like you said, it's like, you know, usually it takes more than two to do it. But if this is the rule that's going to be in place, right? I think the general, like, then you have to do something about it. So it's like, yeah. maybe, maybe you just, maybe you just go quick draw on the yellows at this point, especially yeah. in this position on the field. Because I think the thing that ultimately I don't like about the rule, and I mean, you see what other people necessarily don't like about the rule either is just that it feels like the team that is, you know, losing the scrum battle, right. kind of gets a get out of jail free card. Yeah. Whereas the team that's dominating the scrum isn't actually really able to assert that dominance. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause quite frankly, like it, depending on the construction of your team, right. Across MLR, it's like, you have some teams that are better at scrummaging than lineouts. And you have yeah. some teams that are better at lineouts than scrummaging, right? Like in that situation, different teams might want to do different things depending on what they're good at, yeah. right? And I think that for the teams that are good at scrummaging, this kind of takes away from their ability to do that. And the other thing that I think came up to regarding the scrum, and I'm going to skip all the way ahead to the end of the game here and we'll come back to the stuff that happened in the middle of the game is at the end of the game right you recall at the end of the game that there was a nola hat there was a an arrows knock on right um yeah. and nola got a scrum i don't know what it like i guess 35 ish meters out maybe 15 meters in from the touch line right um which is probably decently kickable right with the arrows up only by one and if you kind of watch that scrum, the first scrum instantly goes down, like doesn't even have a chance at staying up. And then the second scrum, there's the hit. And Devereaux Ferris is, I don't know, like waiting for the planets to align properly. I have, <laughs> like, right, takes forever to put the ball in, right? To the point where like Brody's sitting there like with his hands up. Right. And Selmy is like, dude, like put the ball in. Like, what are you waiting for? Right. And watching that. And now, obviously, I'm not in the head of Devereaux Ferris. I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what Noel is thinking. But to me, it looks like you're looking at the scoreboard being like a penalty wins this game. Yeah. Right. I'm like, and like the only thing that I could think of for why he took so long to put that ball in, because obviously he could put the ball in because the ball went in perfectly fine and then came out relatively quickly. Yeah. Right. So it's not like that channel was blocked at all. He's just waiting. 
Yeah. Right. And the only thing I can think of is watching that. I'm like, you're trying to draw the second reset. Yeah. Which is going to result in potentially an arrows penalty or maybe a quick tap or maybe yeah. like an arrows penalty where you can just kick for the points and win the game. No, a NOLA penalty. Or sorry. A, yeah. To win a NOLA penalty. Excuse me. Yeah. Right. You know, to win the, win the game or like, and it's just like, man, I think that's weird. And especially too, because if you watch a scrum that happens about two minutes before that, right, which is the arrows put in, Nola has a huge push. Yeah. Right. Because uh, they're trying to turn the ball over because they need the ball to win the game. Right. Yeah. And it's like the, like those two scrums look completely different. Like it's, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't yeah. know. I think, again, I, I, I don't think the referee necessarily did a bad job calling this. It's not it, on it's him, just a bad the rule. bad rule. Yeah. And I think I think his conversation and Silmi's conversation with Harmon and Dolan just as the you're hinging, the next time you do that, you're out, turning around to Shepard. And I think Brody had the ball. I think he was talking to Brody too. Yeah. Turning around to Shepard and Brody to be like, you can't pick scrum again. Right. Yeah. Which is also like, you know what I mean? So it just feels flawed. The rule right. as a whole is flawed. Um, yeah. so I don't know. That's my rant on the uh, the scrum rule. It comes up in every single game, obviously, but in this yeah. game, it just kind of seemed like it was magnified and bugged me a little bit more. Yeah, normal. No, but it's also yeah. backed up by like I don't think we've had a ref explain it like that. A, you know what I mean? Nah, so, yeah. No, I, I get it. I get it. But, All right. So okay, we're moving on. We're going back uh, to the halftime whistle. We're now talking about like the second half. And this is when it looked as though it was going to be like the same old script of Nola versus Toronto of the gold coming away with the win at the end. Because within six minutes of the restart, we had uh, Carl Myers try. And then uh, nine minutes later, we had Feeks scoring as well. And I think this, so for Myers try, um, if you watch the replay, you can see that there is a huge gap in the arrows yeah. line and which he's like, oh, an open door. Why, thank you. Walks right on. I say walks. Sprints right on through. Offloads yeah. it. Um, offloads Eric Howard, who then gets smashed by Sam Malcolm. But it's too late because he's already offloaded the ball to Maya, who then scores uh, the seven-pointer under the post. And then we have Feeks, who collected the ball from... So the ball was kicked out, and it was a counterattack. And again, there was a massive gap in the arrows line. He was able to waltz, um, player was able to waltz on through, then offload to uh, Feeks. And I believe this is the one where Gaston Mirez ran over, tried to um, tackle him into touch. Unfortunately, uh, now I know I'm biased, but watching the video back again, I believe that uh, Mirez got him into touch, but the referees said that, and the TMO said, I think the TMO um, was inconclusive because um, that his. Uh, Feeks' body was in the way so they couldn't see yeah. from that angle so they had to go with the on-field decision which was a try um, which was a pain um, but anyway um, but this it still doesn't matter because I believe it shouldn't have gotten to that point in my opinion though it's those lapses in uh, defense that allowed for two easy tries one of which was converted one of which was automatically converted and I believe that one was 
No, so missed. yeah, he missed, yeah, uh, he missed yeah, one so, and then one. One was the seven. Mayor's try was the yeah. seven, and then Ma- Mayor five. gets the auto conversion for his try, but can't yeah. get the conversion for his other try. I'm, I'm oh. just saying, not touchline, what you need yeah. in a... they, they don't have um, Sam Malcolm. Touchline kicks are hard for him. Uh, no. Well, I mean, even Malcolm couldn't get the uh, Mal- second uh, touchline. Malcolm was good, man. Malcolm, he was, he, he, he was good, but I'm, I'm just saying he only got one conversion. Four for but, four on penalties. One, one out of two on the conversions. And, and I'm not I'm not discrediting both, both tries him at were all. on the touchline too. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like if you're gonna miss one, it has to be the most difficult opportunity. Yeah. Like if you're 10 meters in front of the sticks and you miss, you're allowed to miss a stick. But at the same time, though those gaps in defense, you can't get a, well, you obviously mm-hmm. can't get away with them because Nola were able to capitalize <laughs> immediately. And and I don't know, maybe it was just like a communication error amongst uh, the team. Maybe it was obviously the counterattack. You know, you have to make sure that you're on side when um, everything's being restructured. Yeah, kicker has to get in front. That that I can say, okay, you know, maybe there was a bit of overlap issues and errors, fine. But for the that wide of a gap at that distance out, of course, Nola were going to waltz right on through. Yeah. I think that that's something that will need to be addressed for the rest of the, of the season because you can't, you will not get away with that. Okay, so like overall, I think the defense played really well in this game, and I think it was kind of evident at the end of the game, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, though, like tries happen, and sometimes you got to figure out why tries happen, right? I think the Carl Mayer try, yeah, like I think Nola did a good job opening up the Arrows' defense on that one. Coleman had that really nice kind of break where he was, you know, cutting like coming in on an angle, able to offload to Harmon. And I like I know you mentioned it. Sam Malcolm lights up Harmon. Um, it's like very rare that you see a fly half hit a prop that hard. Um, it just it's a shame that it's a second too late. But um, if you if you don't if you're not aware of what I'm talking about, go back rewatch the heart the merit try. Just watch Sam Malcolm. Or whatever, like it's a unreal hit. It's just half a second too late, but also good on Harmon. Take a hit, make a play. Good, like you know, that's yeah, draw the man in. And yeah, sometimes that's yeah. what you got to do. But I don't think Harmon expected to be hit that hard by a fly half. No, and not. yeah, no, it's it's unreal. Um, which I think we'll talk about Sam Malcolm a little bit later because his defense in this game overall was outstanding. I thought, but. You know, I think so. I think obviously, like Coleman comes in on the angle, kind of draws defenders, gets guys turning their hips to pass to Harmon. You know, Mayor's able to come in through, you know, from the fullback position as the support for Harmon. Um, you know, it's a good play. Um, you don't obviously don't want the gaps to be opening up and stuff, but no. um, obviously not, right? And you got to figure yeah. out why that gap opened up or why nobody marked Mayor. Yeah, too I haven't had the chance to go into like full depth into how that try occurred. Maybe it was yeah. a case of. Uh, the previous rock, there's a player just out of position, and I think for the most part, Coleman does a really good job just drawing guys, like yeah. having guys turn to follow him, and that yeah. creates the space. But this is the thing: if I can see a gap that big, and I'm just watching, then clearly the pros. Well, yeah, they did. Well. They did see the gap. That's how they scored. Yeah, um, that's what I mean. That's that's why you can't get away with it yeah. because they scored and they didn't the second, get away with the it. The second try, though, I think, I think is the second try. I mean, I think the, obviously the neg- the big negative is that it's a shorthand. They gave up a shorthanded try. Second game in a row, they gave up yeah. a try while up a man with a yellow. 
Yeah. Right. So obviously that's, that's a negative, that's a a negative on the try immediately is that it's a shorthanded try. Um, I don't even know if shorthanded tries rugby term, but whatever Canadian podcast, I'll use terms from hockey sometimes, but I think like looking at that play, there's, you know, Nola gets a nice steal, uh, gets, creates a nice turnover on the arrows. There's the kick through or the, like a kick of like just a kick down field, which Mirez gathers and then kind of hesitates, takes his time a little bit. And I think paddle tool comes down and Mirez tries to step him and paddle tool makes a real nice yeah. tackle on him. Now that I've got right. that was a, yeah, that it, was, was like smart, like a pr- nodding through gritted teeth. It was like, yeah, yeah like, it's a really nice tackle, right. To kind of shut down that counter attack instantly. Yeah. And then Malcolm kind of kicks it back up field, but it's just, it's deep and it just goes right to Nola and there's no real kick chase on it. Yeah. And same thing. Mayor just comes in through the back. Right. Yeah. And then it's on the outside and it somehow ends up being a two on one. And I think it's yeah. Brody. I think it's Brody on the wing too. Like I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, what I mean about players being out of position. You yeah. Know, you need, because you need to have Malcolm ahead of everyone to make sure they're all on side. Yeah. And, and uh, that's obviously yeah. that try. But I think that try, too, is a thing that I'm like, nice turnover by Nola. Excellent kick chase by Nola. Leads to a counterattack. Like, it's a good... I mean, you don't want to give it up. You certainly don't want to give it up, especially no. with being up a man. You definitely don't want to give it up. But, I mean, it's similar. It's In a weird way, it's kind of similar to that try they gave up sort of similar ish to that try that they gave up to LA just in the sense that the other the team that was down a player kicked the ball forward or like kicked the ball downfield and the arrows didn't handle the kick necessarily well not in the sense that this time like in LA it was just it hit the deck no one caught it right yeah. this one obviously Mirez caught it but like a really good kick chase and no one other than Malcolm really there to back up Mirez either. Yeah. Um, right. And that just kind of led to we have to get like kicking the ball back downfield. Nola had everybody where they wanted everyone to be on that counterattack. So I think that's kind of like so it's like, yeah, it's it's a, it's a defensive lapse, but it's also I think there's also a little bit of a defensive lapse, a little bit of a Nola making their own luck happen a little bit yeah. on that play. Um but you know, and I, I know I know that you were texting me during the game. You were quite upset yeah. during the game. And I yeah. said, like I said last week, man, don't panic. So let's talk about the rest of the game because this turns around real fast. Okay, so there were three tries in the second half, and we've talked about two already. Now we have to talk about try number three, which really put the uh win back in the arrow sales. So let's say that you're Brock Webster. You've officially been signed for the arrows on Tuesday. I think it was, because it was after we recorded our podcast. So otherwise we would have talked about it last Monday and we didn't. So, it was, <laughs> so you officially get signed on Tuesday. Uh, the team list is announced on Friday and you're immediately starting on the wing. Um, So within the first few minutes, you get the ball and you're sprinting down. You're about to score a try. Unfortunately, 
there's uh, Noel the player there who uh, prevents you, but you know the rest of the team pass it off. Carl Bailey scores a try. All good. Then um, it's a another scrum penalty, uh, a scrum free kick, and then you have uh, Ross Brody pass it out to. Um, it's right. Malcolm, uh, it's Malcolm it's Jones. Malcolm yeah. to Jones. And then Jones does the miss pass out to you. And if you watch it in real time, you think, oh no, it's going to be an interception try by Nola. But obviously, re watching it, I was wrong. It was Brock Webster grabs the ball, sees a direct line for the try. He probably even had space to take a few steps in, um, in off the line. But, you know, the quickest way to a destination is a straight line. There he goes, downs the ball, try on debut. Unfortunately, as we said, it was a touchline uh, try. So Malcolm has difficulties and misses a conversion. But the momentum swings back into the arrow's favour. Um, but also excellent on defence, excellent on attack. And afterwards you get told, hey, put on this headset. Why? You're the man of the match. He so, was the man of the match. I don't know. So, is so there any an debate? impressive five days for yeah, Mr. Brock Webster. And uh, welcome to the MLR. Yeah, I was going to say, is there any debate that he was the man of the match in this game? Um, I Like you said, it's like the try is obviously a huge moment. He had like 85 meters carried in this game too. And they were all, they all felt big. Like every yeah. carry felt really big and important. And I think he only had like five or six carries too. And it's like, they were all huge. Well, two of them were obviously critical. Massive. Led, to, led, yeah. led, led, led two tries and create and was a try. Um, yeah. But like, even that though, and it's like, I think what kind of impresses about his game in this one, like the, the, the build up to the Kyle Bailey try, right. Which also included like a nice line from Rumball, really good offload. That was really well worked by the arrows attack. Love to see the arrows attack starting to click and gel a little bit now. But it's like the impressive thing on that is like Webster comes all the way around from like his opposite wing to make that happen. Yeah. Right. And to be there to to get that ball and you know, takes it down. And um, I don't even I don't remember who the Nola player is. I'm sorry, but like great tackle to, yeah. to stop him. Would I would consider it a try saver if a try wasn't scored 30 seconds later? Yeah. When uh Brock Webster scored his try. Because, yeah. um, like I said, if you watch it, you think like, oh, you know, the missed pass, there's a Nola player coming in, think it's going to be an intercept try. Obviously, when you go from the other angle, you realize the player is too far out and the nearest thing he can do is tackle Webster. And by nearest thing, I mean he's still half a second behind, which means that Brock Webster's already made 10 meters down the line by the time that's happened. And but, you know, as in, what a signing to have. Yeah, <laughs> My no. only question is, why didn't you sign him uh, two weeks ago? Why, didn't, <laughs> yeah. why are we waiting this long to get him? Uh, yeah, obviously great debut. I mean, we're talking about the tries. We're talking about the, the uh, you know, the carries and stuff that he made. And But it's also, you know, one of those things where you kind of look at, he had a charge down in this game, too. Um, mm -hmm. He played really well on defense. The, the goal didn't really have much going for them out on the wing you know i thought i thought webster did well defensively um you know it's a it's a hell of a mlr debut man so uh yeah you know obviously you know that's big way to make your presence known in mlr and 
you know, hopefully uh, get to see a whole lot more Brock Webster going forward because uh, that was uh, that was certainly exciting to watch. And I mean, I think I think I think that that back three combo of Webster, Mirez, and Hood worked really well. So hopefully we start to see some uh, some big things going forward from that. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. Having watched enough uh, Australia versus Wales matches in my life, <laughs> I was I was on edge until that ref blew the final whistle because I've seen games where a team's been leading only to lose it in the final play because they allowed a try to come in or they conceded a penalty. But thankfully, we can say the arrows are now in the win column for 2022. Long may it continue. Like how great was Sam Malcolm at the end of the game too, though, to seal it, right? Like the two two super clutch penalties. Oh, yeah, that was... and Yeah, those penalties were really important. The problem is, so I was watching the highlights just before we were recording, and they... um, And you can see the players looking for Sam Malcolm. Uh, the problem is, is that he's on the floor because he's just been floored yeah, by a tackle or a ruck. So they have to like find Spencer Jones, who obviously has the legs to kick no. it into touch. But um, you know, Malcolm j- fresh off the injury list and uh, Nola Gold looking with all intent to put him right back on it. But uh, no, Mal- Malcolm's a tank. Um, you know, Dan Moore called, has, said he has the heart of a lion for a reason. Like I said, I, I don't know how this guy's alive. He's got the heart of a lion, ice in his veins. Seems like a he'd be a medical marvel. Pretty sure, like whatever his birth certificate says, if it says New Zealand, it's a lie. It's from like Krypton or something. Uh, like it's yeah. it's unreal. Um, you look like you said, it's like the whole game. Obviously, the the having his boot back just so clutch. Yeah. Like he's the he's the best kick kicker in the league. Like he's just money every time. And and like and you look at it, look at this game. That it was a huge difference. Yeah, Mayor Mayor did not kick well. Yeah, right. Mayor Mayor was what was Mayor total in this game? Mayor was. Let me double um, check here. He's also two, two out of three two. penalties and yeah. uh, zero for two on conversions. Yes. So he was two for five total. Right. That's yeah. Mal- Malcolm. Like that's the difference. Yeah, you know, Malcolm was five Malcolm for six. Was clutch yeah. kicking. Yeah. Right. And obviously that's the difference at the end of the game too. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, he puts up the, the two penalties in the final 10 minutes, but like you said, man, it's like he takes hits better than probably any player in the league. And that's been, that's even going back to like his performance in that, you know, the, the semifinal versus Seattle in 2019, where it was just yeah. like, just keeps getting up. It's amazing. You know, on defense, like, like we said, we kind of, I mean, we we're kind of you know when we talked about that that hit that, that tackle that he makes in the build up to that mare try, which obviously, like I mean, no one scored, um, so maybe not the most effective overall tackle, just a hair too late. But you know, look at the rest of the game, man. It's like he had so many hits just on defense, whether they were forwards, whether they were backs, any position. It's like if they had to run towards Sam Malcolm, Sam Malcolm put them on their back. Man, and he's like he's um, he's outstanding, right? Yeah. And it's like, um, and then like his his defense is is mind boggling. Like I mean, like I said, Dan, Dan Moore calls him hard. Said he had a heart of a lion for a reason, man. Like, um, his like tackling form is spectacular. It's like it's fantastic to watch. And then obviously, you also get his ability with ball in hand too, 
right? You know, the ball distribution and stuff that all comes with it doing really well. And, you know, it just, it seems like, I mean, it, even today, like it seems like the, uh, the arrows attack. I know. I mean, I know like two tries, right. But you know, it's, it seems like the attack, you know, as a whole, like throughout the game, even at, even at the times where, you know, maybe there was a knock on or, you know, a handling error, just a turnover in general that ended the attack. But I thought the attack across the board mm-hmm. was flowing a lot better yeah, in this game. Yeah. And then, I mean, the big thing too, man, like winning the breakdown battle, Nola took, jeez, man, wait, like so many penalties. So yeah. many, right? Yeah, and it's like, like 20 penalties over and, the game. Yeah, exactly. And when you have a guy like Malcolm, it's like, they just, they just make you pay for that. Yeah, and absolutely. like we said, that was the difference in the game, right? Yeah. Um, and All uh, right, so we need to move on now because we, unfortunately, the hours wasn't the only game this weekend. the most so important we, game, though. It was the most important. That's why we've talked about it. But we have to talk about the other games because there's other Canadians in those games as well. So we need to talk about them. And we start off with the first game of the round, which was DC uh, versus New England. DC 25, New England 41. And this was a runaway performance by the New England players. I mean, I think they scored like the try bonus point within 30 minutes. It was... DC, you know, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be a long season for DC. I feel. Yeah, I think we mentioned that last week. Yeah, you know, I think there's there's a part of this game I think where DC kind of started coming back, making it a little interesting. But um, you know, at a certain point, it just becomes the Bodie and Waka show whenever New England's on the turf, and yeah. um, you know, it's yeah, he he had two tries just. Yeah, two I mean, tries, but yeah, um, that I remember he missed a fair number of uh, penalties, and yeah, he did, he did miss his fair share. See, that's the thing, yeah. right? When you have Sam Malcolm, so his hands are good, but his feet, yeah. mm, not so much. So. Yeah, he missed he missed quite a bit there. Um, yeah, there's just um, I don't know, man. Like, it's uh, like good good. I think one fun part about this game, I thought too, was the you know the scrum matchup. We had Foster do it as the uh, the loose head. For New England versus mm. the tight head Jake Nicky for Old Glory, um, so that was uh, pretty. Mu- I mean, that was some fun Canadian content too. And I think Foster do it for the first three games. I think looks great. Um, lots of um, great, you know, front row prospects look like they're kind of popping out in the league. And e- even as I'm saying that, I kind of feel guilty in our arrows analysis how we did not mention how good Andrew Quatrin was in this game. Um, yeah. Just as a slight shift back to the arrows. Um, because Quatrin had an unreal work rate, lineup yeah. throws were on point, made all his tackles. So that's a side tangent, just because I feel bad that I didn't mention Andrew Quatrin during that. I don't think we did anyways, because he deserves a ton of recognition for his performance in that game. But yeah, like I mean, it's it's nice to see like you know some of the Canadian front row guys kind of popping up around the league and you know doing well. Because I think uh, you know Dewitt's got three three out of three starts right now. Um, the Nola pa- or the the New England pack is rolling um, with O'Gorman and Larson in the engine room too, and then obviously Jack Reeves making a few plays out out in the backs for them. And yeah, like I, I just thought it, w- it it was good to see like you know Dewitt's ability and um, you know he's, it seems like he's going to be an exciting player. And I think Frazier's been one of Old Glory's best players, one of them. Yeah. Um, through this, uh, well, I mean, he like, was. 
he was the captain in the preseason game. So yeah, and they it's, obviously have a lot. Not of getting, I mean, he's, in he's not going to get like the recognition and getting like you know accolades or anything. But like, I mean, every time he touches the ball, I think he makes something happen. It's like you know, it's uh, it's you know, if you're a wing on a team that's struggling, though, you're probably not touching the ball that much. But um, I think I think he's been good for the first like three games, but. Yeah, man, that team's struggling, and they uh, they got the arrows next week, though. So apologies to uh, Doug, Luke, yeah. and Jake, but um, I th- hope that it looks like they might continue to struggle going into uh, the next couple of weeks, man. Same with Nola. Yeah. Nola's Nola's got a bye week now. I mean, to for uh, the arrows game, they got a lot of soul searching to do themselves yeah. right now, too. Well, next up, we had another Eason uh, contest, but this seemed to be a much closer affair. Um, in fact, we had Rugby ATL 31, New York 36. And this was a close contest as well. Um, you know, it was going back and forth. It looked like New York were going to run away with the game. And then ATL hit them hard with a few tries before New York uh, made them pay. And then ATL got the last try. And I think there was a bit of confusion. People were saying that New York had... Um, the last chance to score another try and deny Atlanta a losing bonus point, and instead they just kicked it into touch. And I think that if you're if you've been struggling with a team and you've only just been able to put five past them, and you've both scored over thirty points, you know, di- you know, put put your pride on the shelf, just kick <laughs> it into touch, and just begin to recover for like next week's game because uh, when you have a bye in uh, week one, that second bye is looking further and further away each week passes um what do yeah. you make of this game because um i thought andrew Coe, oh yeah uh, starting oh, andrew, was oh, fantastic two intercepts one of which was a try looking uh, yeah andrew Coe out on the way looking fantastic in those double what is it two. about canada sevens players and being great on the wing great on the who'd wing. have thought it yeah a lot of good okay if you look kind of around the league a lot of good canadian wingers a lot of good canadian flankers that it's is like true. two positions that like we're like we're killing it across the league, um, and I I did also mention the front row. The front row numbers are growing. It's nice to see. First of all, New York, throw out your other jerseys and just wear that every game, please. <laughs> yes, like, and that's not to say I think when we did our jersey like our kit reveal show, I like all of your kits. Yeah, but this one maybe maybe wear the black one this week so I can fully decide. But oh <laughs> my that. Like it's that it looked so good. I love the double blue. I love the uh, but the double blue stripes just or hoops looks amazing. Um, with the collar, fantastic kit, and yeah. probably why they won. I think it's, it's the reason look good, feel good. Well, well, I, I don't know. Nola wore their Mardi Gras hooped kits and they didn't win, so yeah. But yeah. Toronto's kit is still like most Mardi Gras kits, very nice. You recall when I said that that's my favorite arrows kit ever. What they yes, were. I did. Yeah, they, I did. yeah, they look they look good, feel good. It translates. Yeah, it translates. Um, and technically, if all those, if all board, those chevrons loop around, then technically all of those are some form of hoops. So yeah. kind of work. Yeah. So I, I get where the logic comes from. Um, but yeah, absolute uh, nail. But is this going to be another thing of similar to last year, where New York beat them during the regular season, but when they play in the postseason, it's Atlanta that is able to. Edge of the map. I, I sure. I think New York hopes not. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I think New, New York's looked good in the two games that they've played. Like we said, well, it's like Andrew, first off, shout out to Andrew Coe. 
um, had a really nice interception early in the game and then had a fantastic interception a little bit later that he was able to run back for a very nice, I believe it was a seven pointer right under the post. Uh, so that was awesome. So he gets his first MLR try, which is great. Like I said, it's like already kind of talked about a couple of like good Canadian tries in this game. Uh, you know, that's look, New York looks dangerous. If you get the ball wide, um, you got Cole on one side and then Ed Fidow is torching defenders right now. Yeah. Like it's, I, it's tough to run with that guy. Um, Obviously, too, and then it's like they're count. They they balance that too with the fact that they still have Dylan Fawcett in one of the best malls in the league, right? So it's yeah. uh, it's tough to tough to stop a an attack like that, right? So the Atlanta side of the ball, Heaton played. You know, Heaton's Matt Heaton. He's just he's always good. I mean, that's that was it, man. Andrew Cole, the star, the Canadian star of that game, though. Absolutely. Okay, then we uh, head down for two games in Texas that both happened at the same time. We're going to talk about. The uh, more obvious uh, winners in this one, which was uh, Austin, continue with a 3-0 um, start to the season. Yeah. So they won their game uh, 24 to Utah, scoring only 10. Uh, it seems to be a bit of a uh, fall from uh, the semifinalists of last year to go 0-3 yeah. and three to yeah. start that um, season. But uh, as we mentioned before, you know, they've... Um, there's a lot of players from Utah that aren't there now this year. And it seems to be coming up, although we also all been watching uh, inside the scrum. And they're talking about Austin last year, not having uh, finishers to get those tries when they were in the tribe. Uh, seems like they found them. So <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, it seems to be a great start for what, well, one of the guild teams is on a, was on a bye week, so they couldn't add to, yeah, no totals, but uh, Austin seemed to be on fire. Well, I mean, their kits look like uh, they're on fire as well. Their kits look great. The more I watch yeah, I, them, the more I like it. That, um, that black and orange is just such a good color combination. It is a good color combo. The last names too, being the way they're done now, this adds to yeah. it. It's fire, and um, also the fact the numbers have like a white outline, so yeah, it pops even better. So. You know what? I I think the whole thing though, man, it's just like I think you know, kind of looking at um these kits right like you think austin puts the last names on the back just so when Domakina goes like hyperdrive they can like read who just blew by them <laughs> is that like because uh you know i was just yeah that that akina try was was nasty that yeah. was just like i don't know how you i i don't know what you do on that like that's just that type of just that speed and it's just like he finds like that slight the slight gap there i mean obviously you can stop speed right if you get yeah. the players are in good positions you have good tackling you can obviously stop speed but it was like that matchup too like the guy he blows by is mikey tail yeah like you know, mlr makes, player of the season yeah, last year yeah exactly just dust them like it's um so that was nuts like you said, like Campbell had, like O'Keefe had a couple really nice tries too. O'Keefe had a, uh, you know, O'Keefe had one heck of a step on Lance Williams um, yeah, to, uh, to you know, score that try. Well, we have to now talk about the other game that happened in Texas because MLR has finally arrived in Dallas. Game of and, the week. Uh, game of the week, definitely, but what a heartbreaker for Dallas. I mean, final score, Dallas 33. Oh. With the last play, a try that gave Houston... 38. 
But, you know, as any Arrows fan from the first home game of 2019 will tell you, you know what? You lose your first home game. You just go on to have seven consecutive victories at home. <laughs> Everything will be fine. But um, let's talk about Mo. Because that TMO call is, oh and I'm God. putting this in the most diplomatic terms I can, bullshit. Yep. I do not agree with it in yep. the slightest. Um, and, I, and that's the thing. They've act, um, MLR have come out with the... Um, was disciplinary um, hearings and results um, from the season. And there's been absolutely nothing about uh, Mo Abdelmanum. So no, I think no, even no, even the citing commission is like, that was the wrong call to make. And no, like, well, I mean, yellow cards don't necessarily lead to suspensions anyways, right? Like you can get a yellow card for an intentional knock-on. Like yeah. You're not going to... And, and to be honest, this is... A, you, you you can be cited without even having been carded. So. Yeah, exactly. You can get a yellow card for being the third guy that went offside. Like it's um, yeah. yellow cards don't, it, yeah, don't mean just... anything. I don't think yellow cards mean much of anything for like sightings, to be honest. Um, just because know, they're at the same at the like, same time, it's like a bad yeah, call. Like, the decision at... was wrong. Yeah, no. So that situation, we'll talk about Mo. I thought Mo played great in the like during the game too. Um, you know, he was just used usual like men, uh you know disruptive self at the breakdown and um i think the one one really fun thing man if you look at some of the pictures that the jackals have shared on their social media right so mo obviously runs out as captain for the first whole game, home game yeah. and which means that he's the guy that obviously leads out the team out through the tunnel right and in this case in this game liam murray was the loose head prop lining up at number one so there's an awesome picture of the jackals running out onto the pitch for the first time in front of their home fans and the first two players, really the only two players that are in frame is Mo Abdelmanum and Liam Murray. So it's a super fun. That's a good image to have. Yeah, exactly. So it's a super fun little Canadian content kind of moment um, in MLR there. Yeah. As for that yellow card. Yeah. I don't like, I don't know. Like Dyer puts his hand in his face and I don't, it doesn't even look like Mo tries to like hit him. It looks like it's more of just like, get your arm out of my face. Yeah, like that comes comes down. Like I don't like. Yeah, yeah. like I I think that's like I don't even think e- what either one of them did. I don't even think is a penalty. I'm just no. like yeah, like what I. But even that, even, even if, it's a, like, if it's a case of like the hand actually had contact with the face. Oh, like I, I would still then, be like then, then, well, that's it. well, that's it. if you're going by the if letters of the law, then that would be Dyer gets a card. Well, like either way, I think I think in that one, I don't know. I'll borrow a little bit from hockey or whatever. Yeah. That situation, either both of them go or none of them go. Yeah. If both of them went, I'd be like, oh, I, that's kind of soft. But hey, like whatever. At least it's both of them. But like, but both of them got like for that. If you want to call something, you call it on both of them. Yeah. And it, yeah, you, or or let it or let it go. Yeah. Like, that was that was nothing. All that right, nothing. and the final um, what, game. Well, okay, we have to talk about the ending of this game, though. We can't just yeah. focus, zone in on like the one yellow card that we're going to be mad at because we're because um, that that somehow all of Canada became angry at the Dallas Jackals Houston SaberCats game. Um, that it ended, did, man. Just for the record, it just it did. Yeah, it did. All, all, all thirty nine million of us were. Furious. We're very upset. Yeah. Um, yeah, just heartbreaking ending yeah. to this game, though. I think though, like watching it though, like. Because Dallas is up by seven, 
And it's just one of those things where it's like sometimes in rugby, the little details can really bite you if you don't focus or pay attention to the little details. And Hildago already had a try in like the 73rd minute. And he comes and he gets uh, the super late try, like the 78th minute that looks to that ties ultimately ties the game and it's like he scores that try he crosses the line on the wing and comes all the way around yeah touch the ball under the post and get the auto seven right and this is where it's like again like you know bring it back to some of the rule changes and knowing the rules right obviously no matter what league you play in whether it's a you know, five, whether they make you convert everything or you're playing an MLR where it's a seven point try for under the post, you ideally want to, you know, dot down under the post, yeah. right? Like even if the, even if the MLR didn't have this rule, you want to make that happen for the easier kick. Yeah. Right? So no matter what you want to make that happen, but it's also like, especially in this league where it's like under the post saves time. Because now they don't have to kick. So it's a super smart move from Hildago to identify that there's no jackal players between him and the posts. Yeah. But it's also like, I guess, a collective team brain cramp to be like, to let him do that. You know what I mean? Right. Because that obviously ties the game. And then you have the last and ties the game, saves enough time on the clock because you don't have to set up a kick, right? Saves enough time on the clock so you get the next playoff. Obviously, Dallas has the ball and then turns it over, which another thing that you can't do late in the game. Like that final try, too, though, in the build up to it, that catch that Gideon Van Wyke makes, the like diving forward, one handed catch just yeah. to keep the ball alive is outstanding. Yeah. And like Houston deserves that try. It's heartbreaking, but damn, that's a, that's a tough yeah. one. And obviously uh, to uh, Lava's change, um, as we mentioned, got suspended for three games for yeah. a nasty little forearm shiver. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, so the third down that. So, which will be interesting because Houston seems to have um, no interest in using their bench very much um, mm. through, all the games through the three games that they've played so far, they haven't emptied their bench once. Yeah, that is. But at least they use Robbie Povey in this game. Yeah, they yeah they did. They, yeah, yeah. They, uh, they finally had, they had well they had to bring him on. This is a red card. Yeah. Right. So it's like um, they had to bring it on red card. Right. So. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the final game of the weekend, which was San Diego versus Seattle, a replay of the 2019 final. And again, another really close game. San Diego 28, Seattle 31. So Seattle's first away victory of the season. Uh, San Diego unable to keep that uh, home record, um, unfortunately for them. But, you know, it seems as though the seawall is definitely back. And interesting to see that they can now see out games. I did not mean that as a C pun either, but uh, <laughs> it is what it is. You know, they're saying that Ben Mitchell's um, reach for the try, um, there was no TMO review of that, and that may have swung it back into 
San Diego's favor. But, you know, they don't leave empty-handed. They obviously have the losing yeah. bonus point and the try bonus point as well. Uh, Rickard Hatting, you know, two tries, both um, at the 40-minute mark and the 61-minute mark as well. Um, but this was a proper ding-dong battle going on as well. It was a close encounter and... You know, it's re- I think it's really great to have Seattle back to their 2018-2019 form. Yeah, kind of scary. Instead of, instead of just being the whipping boys for the past uh, two seasons. Yeah, like I think like even even watching this game, you know, it's, uh, you know, Nakai Penny and uh, Travis Larson got into it, got in, in the game at points. Um Larson obviously Larson had to come and relieve Penny for a little bit. I think it was like a blood sub or something too. Yeah, um, right at the start. Like, well. They kind of played well. I thought you know one of those things I kind of mentioned a couple times already this year. There's a lot of good Canadian sevens in this league. So Michael Smith versus Nakai Penny, a lot of fun to watch. Penny ultimately, I guess, comes out on top of you. Him and Larson get to walk away with the win. You know this this game's super interesting too. Like. Tavetti Lopetti looks like he is going to be a problem mm. for teams in this league, man. Um, yeah. Especially since, you know, the guy, um, the guy wearing his opposite number, um, some dude you may have heard of um, named Mananu. And uh, he is the, uh, he was the best, uh, best center on the field. Yeah. Two tries um, played really well, man, making some hits, you know, making a lot of things happen for, for Seattle. Like, uh, I mean, you know, I think what does he have? He's got like what one eagle cap or something? Yeah, it's definitely in the single digits. Yeah, like one, like yeah, one. I think yeah, like as, as Canadian fan, like that 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 scares me going forward. He looks good, man. Yeah, um, yeah. So, well, I, speaking of Canadians and Seattle, uh, Reed Watkins mm-hmm. um, was got onto the pitch for his first MLR game. Yeah, um, as we mentioned, Nakai uh, Penny and Travis Larson. Um, yeah, and why yeah. uh, not? Why not feel or still yet to feature in a game for San Diego? So, yeah, so we got Lineart, we got Higgins, we got why not um, Higgins and Thiel, yeah, and Lloyd. No, Thiel. Oh, Thiel and Lloyd. Yeah, Lloyd. Thiel and Lloyd. Too, so yeah, yeah, there's four. See, this is why they lost. There's four <laughs> Canadians they have on their roster, and yeah, they, keep, know, they not... keep using they keep using Michael Smith, which is a good yeah. start. But you've got all these other Canadians having a. Look, I'm just hey, saying that's what it, we we talked about last week though the injuries to Pryor and Robshaw the same game yeah. opens up a lot yeah. of opportunities and stuff for Smith. I think like you said it's like looking at some of the positions that that guy those guys play like you know like we said like with Thiel like you know Nanu Mori like Nanu and uh, Moriani in front of them that's tough. Um Lynott's got a heck of a front row that's in front of him too and yeah like Born Basson, Ryan Matt, like Born Basson, Ryan Mattias out on the wing. Like, it's yeah. competitive. And, and who's Jason Higgins up against? Nate Orsberger. Yeah, who Higgins is, too. Actually. You know, one of one of the choices for the Eagles as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no. But yeah, you know what? And uh, I'm I'm just saying, Sandy, if you want to win games, yeah. But all five Utah. Canadians starting. Emerson Pryor, one jersey next week. Exactly. Make exactly. it happen. Guaranteed wins. Absolutely. Well, that's it. More Canadians, more wins. That's that, That's just how it works. All right. So if you are looking to watch any rugby this weekend, we have good news because the Six Nations is back and you can watch that on the zone. Uh, the Premiership and the URC. Um, some games may be on Sportsnet. 
Super Rugby Pacific has um, now got into its second week, and that will be on TSN. Um, of course, it'll be on Pacific time, uh, so make sure you stay up late or get up early for those games. Um, speaking of it's, early games, you can watch Japan. You can watch the replays. Well, speaking of early starts, we have Japan League One that will be on the Rugby Network, as will any MLR game that is hosted south of the border, except if the Arrows are in those games. Speaking of which, the Arrows will be playing Old Glory DC this Saturday at 4pm Eastern Time. And you can watch that on TSN, tsn.ca, and the TSN app. Okay, Derek, we're coming to the end of the podcast, which means it is prediction time. There are only five games this week, but we start off with the aforementioned DC versus Toronto. Toronto, keep the ball rolling. Let's go. Keep a... I would even be like, unless, I mean, so we saw Salmon limp off the field. If if no one if no one's hurt, we saw Salmon limp off the field. So I guess we'll wait and see what happens with him. But mm-hmm. if nobody's hurt, man, run it back. Same lineup. Let's do it. Keep mm-hmm. it rolling. Now, I know that I said last week about picking a team to win will be the team that lose. And you got roasted for that, too. Yeah. Did it work? I guess so. So what are you saying? You're picking DC again? No, I'm saying you're welcome. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. Um, but I think at this point is that um, that would have worked only for the preseason game because this is now the second of four times that DC will be playing the Arrows this year. So the Arrows already have a victory and that, I can't jinx it. So it has to be Arrows again for me. Uh, the second game we have is Seattle versus Austin. So these are two unbeaten teams so far in the West. It will be hosted in Seattle. And this has me thinking, Austin have played all their games at home so far. Is that correct? Yeah. So this will be Austin's first attempt away from home. Mm-hmm. Seattle have already proven that they can win at home and away. So I am going to go with Seattle. Oh, you're going with Seattle? Yeah. Ooh, I feel like this this is one of those games that's just fun to pick against you for no reason. All right, Austin yeah. is. for Austin. Yeah, let's go. Let's see. Okay. You know, let's see if the uh, you know if the seawall's back. Let's see if the uh, the new Austin attack how it holds up to it. Okay, next up we have Dallas versus New York. So Dallas obviously got the heartbreak against uh, Houston. But New York were able to beat Houston. Does that mean they can also beat Dallas? Derek, who do you have? I feel like this is going to be a lot. That's my going to be my thinking for a lot of games. I mean, after last week, I'm cheering for Dallas, but I think New York's going to win. You think New York's going to win? But I'm cheering for Dallas. If I lose one pick this week, I hope it's that one. Okay. Well. I'm going to have faith in oh, Captain nice. Mo. Nice. So I like it. I will go. Mo versus Co. That's how we can build it. That is, yeah, it. Mo versus Co. All yeah. right. That's holding that one up. Here. Well, that, that's if um, Andrew Co. gets selected because you never know what might happen. But, uh, you know, I think, I think he's been in the good graces of uh, the New York selectors. So I believe so. Okay. Um, you got another match in Texas. It is Houston versus San Diego. So Houston are now two for one. San Diego are also now two for one. Uh, This will be San Diego's first road trip 
of the season. And I am really struggling with this. I know, one. yeah, this seems like a good one. Yeah. Um Houston have it's it's ironic that Houston are called the Saber Cats because I believe they are Schrodinger's cat of MLR. They're either really good and will win yeah. it or they'll lose it at the end. Uh, it's also like, I mean, I don't think they had a great game when they beat LA, as weird as that is to say. We kind of talked about that. They so who are you picking? San Diego. I'm gonna take San Diego. I don't have I don't know. I don't have faith in Houston still. Okay. All right. In in that case, then just for the sake of options, I will go with Houston. So I'm gonna keep it in Texas. I'm picking Dallas and Houston. Okay, and the final matchup this week, because there's only five games, is LA versus New England. Now, New England were also the first team to play LA back last season in 2021, and LA got the ball rolling, uh, literally, against uh, New England. Do you think it'll be more of the same, or do you think the Free Jacks will... Uh, Has LA lost it? at home yet in the yes. Coliseum? Did yes, they, they've lost they... against Nola Gold last season. Oh, they did. They did. Wow. New England, why not? Let's go. New England, New England why not? You know, I'll... I'm going to agree with you on this one because while oh, wow. I, okay, because wasn't expecting that, but all right, because that's it. I think well, New England are three and zero at the moment. LA have won one and lost one, and the one they won um, seemed to come about more capitalizing on errors than succession of play. So I'm yeah. going to go with New England as well. And also, as we said, uh, once Bowden Walker uh, makes his decision with his hands, then game sorted, isn't it? So. Just to go over those again, we have uh, Derek has picked Toronto, and I picked Toronto for Seattle. Austin, Derek has picked Austin, I picked Seattle for Dallas, New York. Derek has picked New York, and I picked Dallas for Houston, San Diego. Derek picked San Diego, and I picked Houston. And for LA versus New England, we have both picked New England. And if you would like to find out the Toonies picks, you can find out on our TikTok account which is at the Rouge Rugby. In fact, if you want to message us on any form of social media platform, we're on them all at the Rouge Rugby, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we are also available by email at the Rouge Rugby Podcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, you can listen to others on Spotify or Anchor FM, or you can watch them on our YouTube channel. Now, speaking of YouTube, if you're watching this, you can see our handles below us. Derek, for those that are listening, where can they find you? Yeah, app reset the jet across basically every social media platform. And I've always said this at the end of the episodes, um, but that was never my name on Reddit until earlier this week where I actually decided to change it to reset the jet. So reset the jet on Reddit now too, even though I've been saying on every platform for the past like year and a half. Um, now it's actually on every platform. So there you go. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is hardman, so H4. R-D-M-A-N. Well, that's it for this week's episode of The Rouge Rugby. Derek, thank you for joining me as always. And thank you for joining us. We hope you can join us again next time.